Welcome to the sixth episode of the third season of Breadcrumbs, our youth ministry podcast at Bread of Life Church. Our theme this season is Where God Has Taken Me, My Spiritual Journey. The fact is that life is a journey, peaks and valleys, and our spiritual lives, our relationship with Jesus Christ, is no exception. But it's often by virtue of the journey itself that we grow and draw nearer to our God and Savior. This season, we'll be taking a biographic look at various Jesus followers. As we learn about who they are and what they've experienced, we will catch a glimpse of the Good Shepherd leading them along the path of faith. It is our hope that God's presence in their stories will give you a clearer vision of God's presence in yours. My name is Kevin Jin, and in this special episode, we will take a look at someone I have known personally since college. Someone who has been a part of the Bread of Life community for over 20 years, with the past 12 serving as a church-wide youth pastor, and the main voice of the Breadcrumbs podcast these past two and a half seasons. Yep, you guessed it, Jason Lowe. Thanks, Jace, for being the interviewee this time around. <laughs> Feels a little different, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. So where would you say the journey in becoming a youth pastor started? Um, that journey really started in college. I was a part of the Bread of Life College Fellowship. And at the same time, I was discovering in my dorm room online sermons and I was listening to, in particular, a series of sermons given by John Piper on Romans chapter 8. And that series gave me a vision for uh, preaching and Bible study that I had not been exposed to before, and it inspired me. And I subsequently had opportunity in the college fellowship to, to teach my peers during, you know, one of our Friday night meetings. And I think that experience was in a lot of ways revelatory for me in giving me a, a vision and a burden for the word of God and for communicating it uh, in, in a way that I, I hadn't really experienced before and it was really unexpected to me. And Within the first two or three years after graduation, I had opportunity to serve in uh, youth ministry with the high school students, beginning with the high school Sunday school class and participating in, a, in one or two YSCs, my first YSCs. And that was where two and two were put together. And I think that God, that God put a burden on my heart for student ministry. And, and so I was kind of set on a path and it's led to this point. So that's pretty cool. When you think back to uh, all the time that you've been serving, uh, were there any barriers or challenges or disappointments that you experienced in striving for a ministry that you considered to be effective? Uh, definitely, definitely. It's funny, they tell you this in seminary. But it's almost like they don't and they can't really do anything about it. And that's the idea that what you learn in seminary helps to give you a foundation for ministry, but it doesn't really prepare you for ministry because every ministry that they're sending you out to serve in is unique and it's 
extremely context dependent and specific. I think one of the hardest things about ministry over the years and some of the things that were most disappointing to me were uh, not really knowing how, well, actually it took a long time for me to kind of figure out what my vision was for youth ministry, what I wanted the youth ministry to look like, what I wanted it to become. Uh, But then from there, figuring out how to get there. I mean, it felt like Israel wandering in the wilderness Right there, God tells them they're going to Canaan and uh, they take quite a circuitous route to get there. And uh, in a lot of ways, it felt like that to me where I was stopping at certain points, trying certain things, seeing if they worked or not, uh, trying to understand the community at Bread of Life, the students and their families, trying to think of ideas and approaches to ministry that would uh, be effective in uh, stirring faith and uh, passion for Christ in the students. And most of those falling short of my expectations. And, and then, you know, kind of going back to the drawing board, trying something else and kind of continuing with that uh, process of trial and error. And most of the time, you know, deciding that error was the, was the result of the effort. And so I think that was probably the most disappointing or challenging thing about ministry. You know, I, sometimes I, I think back to the years that I spent uh, pouring into students and families, and I think about the different things that I tried. And, <laughs> I, you know, if I'm unkind to myself and the ministry, I'll say that was a waste of time. You know, why did we do that? Uh, it, it would have it would have just been better if we kept doing what we were already doing than if we had shifted gears and done this different thing. But yeah, so I, I think that's probably the thing about ministry that was the most challenging and disappointing. But but I'll say that when I step back and I think about it, that's not what I remember most from ministry. You know, I think that's what was most disappointing. But when I look back at the past. Uh, 11 years as the youth minister and, you know, the six or seven years before that serving in youth ministry, what I remember are not the things that, that I tried and failed at. Uh, what I remember are the relationships and, and the experiences with people. Mm-hmm. How did you balance out God's work, God's working through the ministry and then the efforts that you were, you put in seeing like God working through you and then God working in you. Yeah. I suppose there's just like in my mind throughout the, the time of serving at bread of life, there's just a, an assumption that through my weakness and the worst of my efforts, that God's grace is still working and moving in the community and bringing about transformation and awakening faith in students and uh, that there is great effect coming about uh, in the lives of individual students and in the community, even though things don't turn out the way that I hope. But I think also when when I'm going through it and kind of step by step, you know, trying different things. Um, I can't see that 
effect, right? I can't see God's grace producing fruit and God using me to have an impact in students' lives. Um, this past Saturday, we had a gathering of college students and it, they surprised me. And it, be, it was actually became an appreciation of me and the time that I had spent with the students. And so there was a time of sharing and the, the things that the students shared, a lot of it, I remembered those experiences and it was surprising and encouraging to hear their memory of those experiences and their reflections on them because I think at that time and even maybe even to the present, it wasn't clear to me how my efforts had uh, an impact or played a part in the, the journey for any individual student or a community of students. So I think, you know, balancing, you know, God's work and his grace and power bringing about change. I think I just assumed that that was happening. Uh, just trusting that if I was as faithful as I could be, and I tried to do everything with integrity and with earnestness, that the Lord would honor that, even if it was wrapped in folly mm -hmm. and ignorance and naivety. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, God, God covering up my, my limitations to advance his kingdom. Speaking of memories, what would you say were the most clear instances and uh, recollections of, of your time serving with the youth? Uh, do you mean uh, just the anything that sticks out into my mind? Yeah, or... anything that sticks out and then maybe where God in particular, like you knew that, that God was working like in that moment, like you're feeling it and experiencing it at the same time. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, like probably most of the students, YSCs and retreats are the, the things that probably pop out the most. Probably because those are concentrated times when everyone's looking the same direction and everyone's waiting on the Lord at the same time. I think the other instances that were clear to me probably have to do with things that were seen in retrospect. But, you know, with YSC, you have the opportunity to have conversations with students that, I mean, let's be honest, they're not willing to have with you when we're, mm -hmm. you know, sitting in uh, the high school fellowship room or, you know, the TFC room. Uh, you know, you have middle schoolers willing to talk about deep spiritual things when to that point, you're not even sure if they are capable of having those conversations. I mean, you know, they are, but you just, yeah. So, um, gosh, specific instances. Um, you know, I, I have to think back to probably like the first year we did praise night, um, or reap at YSC. I actually don't recall what year it was. It might've been about 2007 or so. I, I do remember Godfrey Hom was the speaker that year. And I think, uh, I think John Toe or Calvin Yang were the, was the worship leader that year. And I think I didn't know what to expect. We, we were going to try something new. And that was one of those things that we just decided to try that turned out to be a great thing. We, we took skit night and we replaced yeah. it with praise night. 
And that turned out to be an amazing decision. Skits were a blast. I mean, we laughed a lot with skits. Students are terribly funny when, when given the opportunity to come up with a story and kind of be silly. But the fruit that we've reaped from Praise Night uh, and the kind of spiritual conversations and awakenings that have occurred through um, YSC and kind of all like crystallizing at, at Praise Night or Reap. I think that first year we did it, I was blown away with uh, how the spirit was moving and working in the students. And I think looking back, I, <laughs> it was sort of like, was was this all like kind of ripe there, ripe and ready, and we just were not reaping uh, because we didn't, you know, give the Lord that time and that space. And so, you know, for the past, I, don't, I guess, however many, like 13 years or so, it's been probably the, the highlight of YSC for me, just because all the effort that goes into YSC and all of the, the stuff about YSC that you know, I don't dislike, but it's just not my, my cup of tea, uh, enduring all of those things to be able to see that last night and the, the fruit that can come of it, um, is probably the thing that sticks out to me most. Yeah. Were there any other things that you found to be rewarding serving the youth? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things. Some of those things were just silliness and playing with them. I think I tend to mostly be a serious person, kind of sarcastic and uh, but and not not crazy, but but I do enjoy like laughing and kind of being silly and teasing and uh, just having that familiarity and comfort. And so I, I've had a lot of a lot of good times with students doing that. Uh, at that event last Saturday, I was reminiscing a little bit about like brothers and sisters appreciations and uh, some of the things that students have said and done over the years and, and the laughs that we've enjoyed through that. I think one of the highlights for me definitely throughout the years have been one-on-one -on -one conversations with students. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, I uh, was inspired to go to seminary and get into uh, vocational ministry with students because of uh, preaching and communicating the word of God. But I didn't realize how much I would enjoy listening to students and just encouraging them to share and to talk and to explore with them the things that they were experiencing, the things that they were thinking. You know, there, there are a number of conversations that kind of stick out in my mind I still remember one conversation with, uh, with a student. So I and a, another counselor were sitting down with her and we were just talking about college and deciding about college and uh, her parents and how they were reacting to the decision in front of her. And I think that conversation sticks out to me because it felt like the three of us were like detectives investigating and trying to figure out 
what it was that was going on in her life and the feelings that she was having, the things that she was responding to, you know, with what her parents were telling her. And I think at the end of that conversation, she sort of had this kind of epiphany moment that was facilitated by our conversation. And so I, I think like that kind of a conversation and that one in particular sort of epitomize one of the things that I enjoyed most about, you know, the past decade plus is just sitting down with students and investigating their lives with them and trying to help them to understand what God says, uh, but also how they're responding to the different things that they are hearing from people, like things that they're hearing from their parents, things they're hearing from their friends. And, you know, in more recent years, things they hear from social media uh, and trying to parse all of that stuff and decide what's actually wise, you know, because I, I never sit down with a student who sits down and says, I want to be foolish. You know, they, they all, they all want to do what they think is, is wise or good, but it's just really hard to figure what, figure out what's wise uh, when you have so many competing emotions and competing voices in your head. And so it, it's just been a lot of fun to sit down with such a variety of students who come from such a variety of backgrounds and, you know, everyone is unique and being able to uh, put all the pieces on the table and try and draw lines and sort them out and say, okay, this is, this is what this is. This is what this is. And here's what I think you should do, or here's what I think you should think. Now I, I will say a lot of the time, once we came to a conclusion or I gave them what I thought, a good percentage of the time they went and they did whatever they wanted anyways. Uh, but, you know, to be honest, we all do that. The Lord tells us, you know, here's, here's what it is. Here's what you ought to do. And most of the time humans, uh, we just we do whatever we want to do anyways and whatever our hearts are set on. And so, um, but, but the discovery and, and the, the conversation with the students and then, and then when they actually come back and they say, they say, you know, you were right. I realize that now it, it, it just like, it, it's not a, I told you so moment. It is a, it's just an affirmation that the conversation mattered and that the conversation arrived at something concrete for them that even if they decided, well, if they decided to kind of heed it, great. But even if they decided not to heed it, that it gave them an anchor to center them and uh, that they could return to, even if the choices they made took them in a direction that led to hardship and pain or confusion mm -hmm. that that conversation helped to provide an anchor that they could return to um, after things maybe went a little bit awry. So I, I think that's probably what I enjoyed uh, or one of the things that sticks out really the part of the journey that was most enjoyable to me. Speaking of one-on-one -on -one conversations and trying new things, Recently, you had a podcast talking to prospective college students yeah. and this new format of letting others kind of listen in to that one-on-one -on -one conversation, hopefully giving them an opportunity to have an epiphany as well. Yeah. What are your thoughts on how this podcast got started and um, this aspect of the ministry came about? Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I, we did this together. It was Actually, if, if, we're, if we're giving credit where credit is due, this whole podcast is your idea, Kevin. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's, there's always been a need to 
be culturally relevant and to speak the truth of God uh, into the lives of the students. And so we've done that in a lot of different ways. And we've tried to, I think, stay current and address the different issues that are front and center, the loudest things uh, before the students. And so this podcast was a format that was really well suited to what our goal was. Uh, which was to provide biblical content to address those culturally relevant issues for our community, for our community of students and their and their families. And so I remember I came to you. I said, Kevin, there has been some interest in seminars about a variety of topics, topics that we're con- that our that our leaders are concerned that our students are getting, you know, false, wrong, unbiblical ideas about. We need to do seminars for them. And so we talked about it and we said, well, we could do seminars. Uh, But then you said, well, what about a podcast? And as we thought about it, we really, I I think we both agreed that the idea of a podcast uh, is really appealing because, you know, you're not just confined to that one day and, you know, hour that you dedicate to a seminar. And so you can reach a wider audience. And not only that, but it, it, it's persistent. So it remains. And so even after the seminar is long gone, or after the sorry, after the podcast episode has long been released, anyone can come back to it and re listen to it. So I mean, that's really where it started. And then we just kind of kept doing it. Uh, making up stuff to talk about, uh, different people to talk to. And, and so I'm actually really proud of it. I'm really proud of, you know, this project that has come at the twilight of my time at Bread of Life. So I'm grateful to you for, you know, partnering with me through it and even like suggesting, hey, let's do, what about a podcast? Maybe that'd be a good idea. I, I think it was a, it was a great idea. It's something that I think I'll continue to be proud of, especially because it, because it can persist. It'll be something that I can contribute to the ministry and to the youth at Bread of Life for many years after my time has come to a close. You know, Will is here and I'm, I, you know, I have a lot of confidence that the Lord will use him powerfully to make an impact. But yeah, it's also exciting to me that my voice and my love for the students and the community will continue through, through the podcast. And if you guys end up taking it all down, that's fine. I'll, I still have the files, and I'll I'll re-upload them <laughs> to my own to my own uh, you know my own uh, site or whatever, and uh, <laughs> keep uh, keep pushing pushing my voice onto the students at Bread of Life. <laughs> yeah, I think that should be fine. Um, it's all advancing. It's all for the purpose of advancing the gospel. And, yeah, yeah. Getting getting, getting people, uh, especially youth, to wrestle with uh, issues that aren't always discussed all often or long enough yeah. or giving opportunity for families to really get together and just explore different topics without being awkward. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I was really encouraged at the outset of it, you know, talking to different families who would listen, you know, parent and child would listen together. And I thought that's perfect because how do you talk about an awkward subject, maybe like sexuality how does a parent talk about that with their child? No child wants their parent to come up to them and say, Hey, let's have a conversation about sexuality. It's like, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, (laughs) like, no, let's, let's not talk about that. Right. 
Um, but if we just say, hey, let's listen to the next episode of the podcast, and it happens to be about sexuality, it's such a natural transition to say, what did you think about that? And yeah, it's not awkward at all. So yeah, so exactly, I think you're exactly right about that. Um, and, you know, for me, like on a personal note, like going through this process, I mean, I got to talk to some people that were really surprising to me, like their stories. Uh, I was really blessed by the things that they had learned and the things that God had done in their lives. And so, you know, I think like with any teacher who teaches something, you always learn the most when, when you're the one teaching it. So I learned a ton through this process. A lot of these topics, you know, I had, I had thought some uh, to some degree about, but in a lot of ways, my, my knowledge, my understanding and my conviction about a lot of these topics and issues were deepened and more fully filled out by going through this process. So, so even if there's not a student who would, would point to the podcast as a positive impact, uh, having a positive impact in their life, I, I got a lot from it. So you and Abby and your family will be moving up to Washington and engaging in a new ministry. I know that you and Abby have had a burden for at-risk children and families for quite some time. Can you share a little bit more about what at-risk children and at-risk families, what that means, and how you and Abby started developing a heart for them? Yeah, it, it actually started probably back in 2008. 2007, 2008, when we were struggling with infertility. And so adoption, which was something on our radar already, became kind of front and center. And so we adopted our, our first child, Micah, in the fall of 2010. And I think that experience for us was probably one of the most spiritually significant for us throughout the, the time that we've been married. One of the byproducts of that experience was uh, just a seed planted for children and families where the integrity of the family, the well-being of parents, of children is, is really at risk. Physical well-being, mental well-being, spiritual well-being, families that are broken, parents that have trouble providing for their children for one reason or another. Uh, children growing up in an environment that's unstable, where they're not sure that they can count on their parents to provide for them relationally, provide for them physically. And so we kind of decided at that point that we wanted adoption and things like foster care to be a part of our journey as, as a family. When I think about at-risk children or at-risk families, that's, that's kind of what I mean. And that's how we developed a heart for it. For Micah, we have not ever had uh, direct contact with his biological parents. You know, we think about where he came from, the situation that he could have been born into, but the situation that he ended up in, you know, thinking about what's ideal versus what is actually best given the, the circumstances and the realities. And so that, that's pretty sobering for, for us. I think it's a, everyone's conviction that ideally every single child would be born into a family that has a lot of stability and has all their needs met and has 
parents who love them and who will teach them right from wrong and raise them well, uh, we know that that's not the reality. And so when there are families, and especially when there are children who are at risk, it's certainly biblical for us to act and to attend to that need. And so I think that's where it started and where we are and what, what our burden is for, for these, uh, these sorts of children. When you think back to that, that struggle back in 2007, eight timeframe, Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a long time ago now. <laughs> it, it is yeah. as, as a memory, just just to think back of that those feelings of frustration and heartache, right? Yeah. Did you think that God would bless you with biological children after blessing you with Micah? No, no. And actually, that's part of the reason why we are where we are now. We thought that the prominent feature of our family would be that our children, as many as we would have, would not be biological children. And so we thought that our journey was going to be in many ways defined by that involvement and just participation uh, in, in adoption and in foster care and those sorts of things. And so, yeah, when Delaney and Owen came along, it was certainly surprising and uh, we're, we're, we're exceedingly thankful and grateful for them. Even on the frustrating days, uh, <laughs> we, it's, it's it, like we love the composition of our family. But yeah, the past eight or so years where we've added, you know, two great children to our family, biological children to our family, it's kind of put that burden for at-risk children kind of on the back burner. Yeah, so that was an unexpected blessing. But I think the recent reminder to us was that, that that burden was there about 10, 11 years ago, and uh, it hasn't disappeared. And so we, you know, it's something that we, we feel strongly about pursuing. I distinctly remember uh, you and Abby sharing that in front of the congregations. And I remember uh, the church family praying a lot for you and for Abby and just praising God for the blessing of Micah, we continued praying for you to actually have biological children. For some reason, it, it just it, I just felt like when we were praying and, and God bless you with Delaney, that that, that wouldn't be it. You, you would also have mm. a son too. Uh, when when I was praying with others about about it, it's like mm. no, Delaney is not it. It's going to be another one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, then you knew before we did. Uh, Owen, yeah, Owen was a complete surprise. The way that our, our Bread of Life family walked with us through the whole journey of growing our family has been probably one of the most tangible expressions of God's blessing in our lives through the Bread of Life community. Even though it's been our, our burden or our pursuit of ministry to at risk children has been delayed, I, I'm not sure that I see it as uh, as a failure, but just a a detour that that God decided to place. You know, we're 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 on a path, and He puts a sign up, and we have to take a left. And right as we're coming back to the path again, He puts up another sign, and we take a right. You know, being able to walk through that journey with the Bread of Life family 
has, I think, helped to reframe this, this transition and this move. It's not, I don't think we see this move as coming, you know, a decade late or that we see this as a moment of forgetfulness where we, you know, God told us to do this and we totally messed up. We forgot. It was just, you know, God's timing for this was different than what we had anticipated. Uh, Just like his timing to add biological children to our family was not what we had anticipated. I think it's all been an exercise in trusting him and in walking the path that he lays out before us, trying to be faithful with what we can see and, um, and it's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been an awesome ride. Thanks for listening to the June episode. It was different and fun to be the interviewee this time. Over the past two plus years, breadcrumbs has been a journey that I've greatly enjoyed and been challenged by. When the idea was conceived, I had no idea where it would lead us, where it would lead me. But like with most life experiences, I can see what God has done and how he has blessed me through breadcrumbs. I hope that somewhere along the way, you were also blessed through this podcast, that your faith was challenged and deepened. Thanks to Kevin for interviewing me and for his consistent support and wisdom throughout the production process. Thanks to you all for listening to one or two or many of our episodes. Keep walking. Keep seeking. Jesus is worth it. I look forward to seeing what the Lord will do through breadcrumbs as the ministry continues in my absence. I'm Jason Lowe, the youth pastor at Bread of Life Church.